people always want to see these big superstar success stories. But those big superstars also needed to go many steps to get there. Achieving many steps and celebrating those successes as well will give a different kind of motivation to the whole team and make it work. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. My guest in today's episode is an executive leader and business consultant. She has enabled organizations and teams across the globe to achieve their growth objectives with cutting-edge sales enablement strategies. She also leads the Dutch chapter of WISE, which stands for Women in Sales Enablement and is the creator of the CLEAR Leadership Framework. Please welcome PDA Group's Britta Lawrence. Britta, thank you so much for joining the show. Great to have you. Thank you for the invitation, Felix. Pleasure. For those listeners who don't know you, like a lot of our listeners are based in Australia and might not be familiar with PDA Group. What does PDA Group exactly do and what is your role at PDA Group? PDA Group is the sales enablement consulting company in the DACH region, in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. And I am a partner with PDA Group, and I'm heading the sales enablement. However, PDA Group is a smaller company. We have 25 employees, roughly, so that means I'm wearing various hats, but my main focus is sales enablement. And you've been there for quite a while, right? Yes, I have been there since day one, actually, of PDA Group, which I'm kind of proud of because it's not too many people can say they have been with a company since day one and we exist for now almost 14 years. Wow. So I've lived through all highs and lows of a company, have seen all different departments and whatever can happen there. Just ask me, I can tell you quite some stories there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's quite amazing if you are in a position like you are at PDA Group, you get quite a broad view of the sales enablement space. And obviously, over the last 14 years, the space has also quite evolved. Yes. What do you think has changed over the last 14 years, like in sales enablement? How has the space evolved? First of all, people start to recognize what sales enablement really is. The word sales enablement or the term sales enablement came to life, especially in the German speaking area. We cannot compare it directly to the English-speaking world, part of the world, because sales enablement has been much more established over the last couple of years. And what we have seen, especially in my region or in the Dach region, there is a huge push on sales enablement now. People start to understand what it is, that it's not just, oh, another training or, oh, another quick fix. So you can help me if I need to get this quickly done. So they really understand the beauty of the overall concept and they start to think more strategically and not a one-off show. So it's becoming much, much more valued and appreciated from that point of view. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I think that's a big mistake I guess a lot of businesses make is that they think of sales enablement as a fixer of issues yeah. rather than a strategic initiative. And I think that's what really helped the whole space, I guess, evolve into a much more prominent discipline compared to what it was previously. Yes, definitely. And also the work all the community has been doing over the last months and years. I mean, there has been so much noise about the topic of sales enablement, which is fabulous. And I love to see how people start to promote their role, how they start to show the impact they have and not just hide and being, oh, I'm a supporter of a team. 
They actually stand up and say, that's what we do. That's our impact. That's the result of our work behind the scenes. Yes. However, we are supporting frontline. We are there to support our field team and everything comes together and it makes a beautiful picture there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In terms of the kind of industries that you work with, so you being a provider of sales enablement services, you obviously have quite a broad view of not only different industries, but also different regions across the world, because you guys did work with companies in Australia. Is that right? Correctly, yes, we are globally operating. And there's a difference across the globe on how mature and how evolved enablement is, how it is perceived. If you would ask me what industry I personally see the most evolved, I would say it's definitely going into the IT industry, also based on the mindset, which is there. They are super agile and their iterative approach, which really comes in favor to enablement as well. You know, create something, pilot it, try it, fail. I think failing is wonderful compared to others. Others always fear failure. But I would say if we don't fail, we won't learn and we can't make it better. And that's why I really love this agile approach where we really go create something, try it out, get feedback, what happened, what's working well, what's not working well, make it better, keep on going and keep this loop going. And I think that's something we can really learn, especially from the IT world. And of course, enablement is established in various industries. And the more traditional ones, I would say, still have a lot of work to catch up with, also in terms of the mindset. Mm. However, I think it's everywhere. And But the leading industry, from my point of view, and that's just my opinion, is the IT sector. And what would you say the IT sector is doing differently to those less mature organizations? I think it's their mindset of being agile and trying out different things without fearing their failure. Their openness to go out there and try it. And if you try it 500 times, still keep on trying and don't worry about making a mistake as long as you learn out of it. Don't make the same mistake twice. Learn out of your mistakes and make it better. I think that's one of the secrets there. Yeah, yeah. That mindset, what you just mentioned, that's also a reflection of the nature of the industry. Yeah. If you look at technology, it's evolving. The products are evolving so much. The markets are evolving so much. If you look at the other side of the spectrum of the sales enablement maturity, for example, in manufacturing, there's also innovation, of course, but it doesn't evolve as quickly as the software space, right? Exactly, yes. So I guess the mental agility is also based on the culture within the industry, I guess. Definitely. And also on the speed of the industry itself. Yeah. So it's a combination of various factors and all those things have to be taken into consideration. Also, if when you go into enablement, you know, what's the culture within the company or in the industry? How open are they? What's the learning culture? Mm. Do they have a coaching culture there? There are so many facets you need to think of and understand, especially when you're in enablement. And that's why you shouldn't just run and do whatever you think is right, I think you should listen. Listen to understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. What's the need and, and what's really the need of the people working and not just the need of somebody telling you and is not even involved in the task sometimes. You need to have the buy-in from high-level management. Yes, you need to have the support from executives. Without that, it's really a hard thing to establish. However, when you get the buy-in, listen to the team and your internal customer you're serving. What's their need? 
what are they looking for to get support on? Because then you can think about adoption rates. If you don't have the combination of all those things, it will be really, really hard to get your ideas and your programs and your initiatives established within a company. When you work, let's say, with more mature software companies and you compare the kind of work that you do with the more immature industries, what's the area that those more mature businesses need help with most of the time? I wouldn't really say that you can distinguish between mature and less mature because it's always a question of what's the culture of the company? Where are they? Really understand what's the need? Why do they actually ask for support? Why did they hire someone to go into the enablement? What's the overall goal? What do they want to achieve? What's the business objective? Understand really the strategy. What's the goal for the next three months, year, outlook even further? And understand why did they hire me? And based on that, create your initiatives. And I think it's not something you can say, okay, in this industry or in this company, XYZ worked. So let's do it here again. Hmm. That's not going to work because it's a total different story. You're working with different people. You're working with a different culture, company culture. And you really have to be able to understand what's happening and why did they bring me in. And if you understand those parameters, you can start to think about the initiatives you're going to create. Of course, there are some things you can do almost everywhere. However, I really would warn to say copy and paste programs from one company to another because that's basically setting you up for failure from the beginning. Mm. So it's a very highly customized approach that you follow on that front. Yes, and I think that's the beauty of enablement as well, because you as the enabler or the practitioner also learn all the time. You don't stop learning, you don't stop growing, because you're always challenged to find new solutions, new ideas, and new approaches. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of creativity that comes with sales enablement roles, or there's a lot of creativity required if you are especially in a more senior position, meaning that you're sitting on the table with more strategic discussions. You have much more freedom to actually solve problems and to drive new initiatives that really give you a competitive edge from a sales perspective. Mm -hmm. Yes. And when it comes to the culture that you mentioned and the mindset where does the alignment typically fall over? Like, is it sales believing and sales enablement? Or is it the interaction between different departments? So for example, marketing, collaborating with sales? I think it's a combination. Everybody needs to understand the overall benefit and buy into it and really try to collaborate here. If we compare it to a team, a team is only as good as its weakest part. So we all need to work together. And you could also say sales enablement or enablement is the sticky glue between all the single parts. And if we do our job in a way that each single part or each little screw understands why are we doing what and what's the effect in the end and how does it really impact the overall results we are striving for, then we can create a really powerful force that's driving one direction and creating this meaningful impact to make the overall vision and mission happen. So it's really get the message across, be able to sell your value and why things happen. If the people understand the why and why they should collaborate, why they should work together, magic will happen. And it is doable. It's not, oh, Britta is just telling another story. <laughs> get the people to understand what they're doing and why and show them the results. And don't hide. 
show the results and also show them mini steps. I think mini steps are so important. Sometimes people always want to see these big superstar success stories, but those big superstars also needed to go mini steps to get there. But people forget about it. They forget about the pain sometimes the team had to go through to get there. And achieving mini steps and celebrating those successes as well will give a different kind of motivation to the whole team and make it work. Yeah. So it's really the culture and celebrate successes. I would also say celebrate a failure by learning out of it. Evaluate what went wrong, take the learnings and celebrate the next steps. And I think when you add all of those things together, you are able to achieve the bigger goal and the overall mission. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that can really create momentum if you celebrate those smaller things and suddenly people who might have had a bit of doubt in their mind about the initiative or about sales enablement as a strategic function, they then suddenly realize, okay, there's something happening and it's moving into the right direction. Sometimes I wonder if sales enablement one day will have a different description because it sounds very limiting only to focus on sales because the function can have such a big impact on the business and, as you said, be a sticky glue between departments. I think it almost deserves a different term at some stage. Well, I wouldn't even say it's just focusing on sales. I mean, we do have the terms revenue enablement out there. We have buyer enablement. There are various things already happening and evolving at a tremendous speed. And I'm a strong believer that if we only focus on sales, for example, might not be the right thing because we need to consider the whole customer and buyer journey. And that just doesn't happen only with sales. There is the whole loop before sales actually comes into the place, product management, marketing, all those things. And then there's sales and there's post-sales. So we shouldn't just focus on this medium part in between somewhere and enable those people working with the customer. We have to look at the whole customer and buyer journey from end to end because the customer is also asking for that. The whole expectations of our customers changed over the last couple of months tremendously. Think about all the data that is out there. Sometimes the prospect or potential customer knows more about what we are doing than we think we need to tell them in the beginning. So we really need to tailor our message exactly to the need of the customer. So they get an additional add-on and value add when they speak with us. Don't just look at this powerful force of sales. Look at the broad spectrum when you go into enablement. And I agree, it's a different terminology and it's an enablement from start to end of the customer buyer journey. That's where we really need to look at. And do you think a lot of organizations have that understanding that it's really about the entire buyer experience? I strongly believe that the awareness shifts and there is a big pivot in the awareness and also on how organizations and companies see it. And as always, it just takes time to translate. But I think almost everyone is aware of the changes in the customer and buyer behavior and that it needs to fit and match what we are doing internally to resonate what's happening outside and externally. And if we don't tailor our processes to the needs of our customers, I think we are failing the objective. Mm, absolutely. In terms of the organizations that literally start from zero, that never have done any sales enablement, what are typically the first steps that you would recommend to those organizations taking to establish the function and to get going with sales enablement? That's a great question, actually. And I would say, when you get hired as a practitioner, ask why. What's the expectation of the management? Why did they bring me in? Get a clear understanding of your own objectives 
and then really start to listen to the team. Sit with the stakeholders and listen, analyze. What do they want? What do they need? What do they feel when they speak about organization or company? How are they performing? Where are the gaps? And really get the buy-in from the management team to support you in your initiatives and your ideas. Also, be really attentive and watch out for potential obstacles that might come on your way. It's not just because they bring you in that you're going to see the red carpet. There might be also obstacles coming up. You are brought in and you need to think about the culture that's happening there. So really listen to understand what's needed. I think that's crucial. And then start with small things. Think big, but look at small things you can do quickly and show first results and impact. Never forget about the overall picture. And again, celebrate those mini steps and mini successes you have. And I think that's really key when you are brought in for a new role and also to establish this new role in the company to understand. So again, listen to understand, think big and start small to achieve your success and show it. Make it visible. One of the key things, be visible, show what you're doing, be proud of it. And even if you're keeping a journal where you just write down your little weekly, monthly success stories for yourself and your team, and once you get into this performance meeting, show it so you have it at hand. Because how many times do you have a mini success and you just forget about it yourself because you don't even perceive it as a success? But I think that's also something beautiful when you are in a coaching session and people say like, nothing happened, nothing happened. And then you start to speak to them and all of a sudden they realize, okay, actually something happened. I did so much, but they just don't see it because they're always striving for the big, big thing. Mm. So really make it clear. I think one thing that I also found works quite well to build that momentum is if you have a team that is involved or a core group of people that are involved in making sales enablement happening, they might have other day jobs like, for example, product marketing or human resources, also celebrating the contributions and the wins that those other people have brought to the table. I think that they can also help to gain a lot of momentum because, first of all, those people that are celebrated they obviously feel flattered and are happy about that recognition but then also other people see great like if i actually do something for these initiatives i'm being recognized and i can actually contribute to make a difference yes that culture of recognition and of praise within that core group that can be really important to actually create alignment as well absolutely i mean it is a team effort if you think you can do everything on your own i don't think so you need support from all different areas within the company and showing appreciation. The easiest way to show that is say thank you at the end of the day for supporting. And no matter how big or small the contribution was, be grateful for what they did and how they actually supported. And again, make it visible. You don't have to put them on the spot every single day or every QBR or whatever the meetings are you have. But saying thank you at the end of the day to your contributors, teammates. I think that's one of the most wonderful things you can do because it just shows appreciation and gratitude. And you cannot do it on your own. You need a team. Absolutely. Uh, that's probably changed a bit during the pandemic too, because people aren't necessarily in the same room anymore. And there's more friction within the communication between team members. What was your experience in Europe where COVID has also been much more prominent than it has been in Australia in terms of the way sales enablement teams collaborate? COVID is one of the worst crises we have. I'm not going to deny that. 
However, if we think about it, what options it opened up, also just thinking about collaborating in terms of how can we speak with each other globally. Think about it. A year or two years ago, would we have done this? We might not even have met. We met digital. <laughs> That's right. So it's really things that the whole pandemic sparked. I mean, we had a rocket start in the digitalization. Things where we thought it's going to happen in five or 10 years, all of a sudden happened within a blink of an eye. It happened overnight. And if we use our digital and technology parts and opportunities wisely, I'm not saying overuse it, Use it wisely to collaborate with your teams, communicate. I think we can still interact in a really good way to build connections, being genuine, showing appreciation. You can still do that. Send a text message at the end of the day. Send an email in the morning and wishing them a wonderful week or start of the month, something like that. As long as we use it wisely. Yes, first we were in this shock. Okay, how are we going to handle this? Once we digested all of that, I think we really started to understand how we actually can broaden our networks, how we can really collaborate with each other, especially in the enablement space. There are so many wonderful networks and forums. You really feel the support for each other. I have never been in collaboration networks which really lifted and empowered each other as much as the enablement space. If you just think about the squad or trust enablement. There are so many things you can really reach out to ask your question. I just had another question the other day where I asked like, what do you guys think about this challenge? How would you twist it a little bit to get more impact? Hey, immediately you get answers. And it's not like I'm not going to tell her because she might be successful. They're all supportive. Everybody, you can reach out for so many things. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that happened also triggered due to COVID because you were locked in your home and started to reach out differently. But as I mentioned before, use it wisely. Don't overuse it. Don't misuse it. And really think about when you use it to build those genuine relationships and always think about this give and get as well. Don't just take. Always make sure you are in the right balance. Yeah, absolutely. I can only confirm that the amount of networking that's been happening during COVID-19, suddenly it didn't matter whether somebody is on the other side of town or on the other side of the world. Everybody was happy to make that connection and help each other out. In a certain way, even though digital became more prominent, the connections became more human at the same time, funny enough. Yeah. So it's almost like people compensated for the fact that they didn't have that human connection. They basically overemphasized that by being more helpful and communicating more. I think that's the great thing that happened out of COVID, as you said, one of the few great things that happened out of COVID and mm -hmm. definitely a reflection of the sales enablement space as well. Yes, just think about how vulnerable we have become. You're looking into my home office slash living room background somewhere. You would have never seen that before. That's right. It's something you're like hiding. Yeah. And you start to understand and to know people on a very different level. And I think that's really beautiful as well. Yeah, I agree. When I think back to before COVID, it was almost a bit frowned upon if you work from home or if you had a video meeting and you dialed in from home, it was definitely not as normal as it is today. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's also one thing if you ask me what changed with COVID. For me personally, it didn't change that much. I mean, we have been working globally before, which meant I have been working virtually before as well. So the transition wasn't as hard. But the discussions and uh, talk topics just changed and it opened up in a different direction. And as you said, it's much more accepted now as well. 
or if your child's are crying in the background, something happens. So what? That's normal. <laughs> that's right. No, that's the sales enablement part and the way sales enablement and the internal communication has changed. What do you think has changed from a buyer perspective? Like how do buyers interact with sales teams differently these days? Buyers are super informed. They know so much already. You have it on your fingertip. Type in one keyword in Google and you get a lot of information you look for. And if you just think about Trend Insight report on the future of sales from Gardner, I think that's one of the most prominent at the moment that 80% of the B2B sales interactions between the seller and the buyer will occur in the digital channel in 2025. I think that just tells us exactly what's happening. You have it on your fingertip. You know, if you need information, go on the net, you will find it. And all customer facing teams and all customer facing support teams, meaning enablement, need to pay attention to that and need to make sure that they actually tailor those needs so that when they speak to a customer, they're also at least as informed as your customer and know also the other things which add value to them when they speak with us or with you. So I think that's one of the biggest changes we see. Yeah, absolutely. I think apart from the customer knowing more I think a challenge is also for salespeople to actually know how much the customer knows. I think information sources will become really important in order to tailor that buyer experience. The salesperson needs to do their homework. They need to know who is the customer. Yeah. What are they looking for? You know, it's both sides. The way the customer does his research, you as a salesperson need to do your research as well and your homework so you can really yeah. match. Exactly. And if you think about the fact that the best salespeople are oftentimes also the ones that are most focused on helping the customer, that information source and that intelligence about the customer of what sort of information they've engaged with, what sort of problems do they seem to have, suddenly the discovery session shouldn't become just an information gathering exercise and an interview of the customer, but it should become a launch pad to show the customer how much value you can actually provide them and what additional insights you can offer them that cannot be found on the website, but from your own experience as a salesperson. You know, I think that's a big challenge ahead for organizations to actually fully utilize those information sources and make that transition from just gathering information and having it show up in some sort of analytics report, but actually operationalizing it and turning that information into customer value through the sales team. Absolutely. And tailor the message personalized to your prospects and to, to your customers. As you just said, make sure you are informed. Be informed about your prospect and your customer. Know who they are, first thing. Know who they are before you even speak to them. Don't say Gabriel to Gabriela, for example. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a bit about yourself. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were on my LinkedIn profile, so why should I tell you something about myself? Yeah, do your homework. Be ready to speak to them. And even more importantly, don't pick up stories which are seven years old. Look at the current situation, really. Look at what's happening now in their life. There are so many sources out there to really get information about the other side of the screen. Do you think buyers will go back to preferring offline channels over online channels? Because there's obviously been a quite a shift from offline to online. Will it stay in online? Will we go back to offline? Will it be some sort of hybrid? What are your thoughts? I think it's going to go to a hybrid, especially if you are close Yes, of course, I'm going to go for a face-to-face -face meeting if everything is in the safety measures and we can do it. But I think there is a shift in mindset also. You don't have to fly to every meeting or you have to drive four hours for a one-hour meeting. I think 
And I hope, I really hope that there is a mind shift that we actually can use our time more efficiently and more effectively. Because just think about sitting in a car for two or three hours versus doing remote. You can do three or four remote meetings at the same time. However, use it wisely. When it is a difference in meeting people face to face, go for it. Embrace it. Use the chances when you can meet people and also use the chance when you can meet people remotely. So I think it is going to be a hybrid setting. And that's also a challenge. We need to make sure we can tailor with our initiatives that hybrid meetings need to be facilitated differently than a face-to-face meeting or a pure remote meeting. How do you get engagement from all involved parties? And that's also a challenge we need to think about, work on, and enable the teams and sellers also to handle those situations respectively. Have you seen any tactics in making online interactions more engaging that you can share? Calling out people directly. (laughs) Turn your camera on, first one. I mean, I think that's such a no-brainer, but still remind people, please turn on your camera if possible. And then (laughs) make breaks. Don't do four-hour meetings like you would do in a real face-to-face setting. Make it short, concise, get interactions going, calling them out directly, as I said, involve them into the discussion. And not just, for example, if you are in the room, like in a real physical room, and you have somebody dialing into, don't forget about it. Value it. They are giving you their time. You are getting the gift of their valuable time. So show appreciation, engage them into your discussion ask for feedback, ask for specifics, what you really need to add in here and use collaboration tools. And when you use them, also use them in the physical setting. Don't make it a separate thing that people are working in the virtual world and others are working on the whiteboard in the room. Make it all inclusive. Mm. I think that's really critical that we show this inclusion there as well. Yeah, I think, as you said, meetings have become much more complex because of that setup, but it's in a way a microcosm of the whole buyer experience because the buyer experience has become more fragmented and requires more curation. Mm-hmm. In a way, you kind of have to do that in meetings now, right? Absolutely. So you start using chat, you start using polls, you start communicating differently across different channels. You might, as you said, be more personalized by addressing the people that have dialed in and so on. So I think it's a real test in a way for the big buyer experience, those meetings. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I think there's great potential to set yourself apart if you do that right. Yeah, and and it's a question of how you use the different tools you have available. I think it's also, again, something everybody needs to try out for themselves, what feels the best for you, how you actually feel most comfortable, because that's when you're going to be at your best performance. That's not a secret. You have to feel comfortable with what you're using. And then use it wisely again. Make sure the customers or buyers are also comfortable. Just because you feel good with using a collaboration tool doesn't mean the other side is feeling well and comfortable in using that. Consider all those aspects. As you said, it's so much more complex than it used to be. And again, it comes back to trial and error. What works, what doesn't work, reflect on it. Why didn't it work or why did it work so well? Also draw learnings out of that and bring it back into everyday life. I think that's one of the things we always need to keep in our mind that we go into this reflection loop. And speaking of remote interactions, so I obviously follow you on LinkedIn and I noticed that you have developed a remote leadership framework. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. What is that all about? It's called CLEAR. The framework, what I created there, 
It is really simple and it's the summary of everything we heard basically in our discussion today. Felix, to be open and clear, it's an acronym that stands for Collaborative Communication, for Learning, for Empathy and Authenticity, for how to create accountability and how to be responsible. And the acronym basically should be the reminder for all those key things, which from my point of view are paramount for being a modern leader, for being a leader to create a winning team. And as we can say, it applies in the remote world, but it also applies in the face-to-face setting. So it's really a framework for leadership. I developed it during COVID. That's why I say it's a remote leadership framework, because it was just really, really applicable at that point of time. I would also say it's applicable in no matter what situation, if it's in a digital or analog world. If you keep those parameters in mind, you set yourself up for much more success than neglecting some of those things. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like you're hitting the nail on the head there with the kind of principles that are required these days. Yes, it's being human, being yourself. Don't hide behind whatever you want to use, backgrounds or not even turning on your camera. As we heard before, listen, listen to understand what's happening. All those things come into the game when you look into the framework here. Awesome. Britta, we're running out of time, but thank you so much. Every time I speak to you, I feel like I learned something new. So thanks a lot. If people want to learn more about Clear or PDA Group or just want to chat to you about sales enablement, where can they connect with you? People can connect directly with me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect and you can find me there. Also, if you want to find out more about PDA Group, go to our website, pdagroup.net. Or again, reach out to me and I'm happy to support with everything I can do for you. Awesome. Britta, thank you so much. Thank you, Felix, for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe in your favorite podcast player. If you want to learn more about sales enablement, you'll find a growing number of articles, videos, and templates specifically for enterprise technology businesses at krugermarketing.com learn. That's K-R-U-E-G-E-R marketing.com learn.